I think Roland O'Gara could be managing the Cork Hurlers, the Irish soccer team. He could be managing anything. He's got the X factor. To win two Champions Cups with a club that doesn't really have that much of a history in the game. OTB AM. Live weekday mornings from 7.30 on the OTB Sports app. The Koi Gig Pod on OTB Sports in association with Cadbury. A player and a half deserves a glass and a half of support. Top pocket goal! It's what dreams are made of. They are going to the World Cup Finals! Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Koi Gig Podcast. I'm Kathleen McNamee and I am joined as ever by former Ireland internationals Emma Byrne and our birthday girl for the day, Karen Duggan. Karen, have the birthday wishes been rolling into you today and over the weekend? They have. I'm feeling the love, feeling the love. Feeling very old, but loved all the same. <laughs> That's good. Well, if any listeners want to send Karen some birthday love, you can do that on the Koi Gig Podcast new Twitter account uh, at the Koi Gig Pod, and we will pass them along to her. Your teammates gave you possibly the best birthday present you could get at the weekend with a big top of the table win, one nil over shells. What was the feeling around the dressing room after that? Uh, we were just buzzing because we obviously got hammered by them earlier in the year and like that's never a nice feeling. They've been our main rivals for a long time now. So like just to kind of put that to bed was was very, very nice. And obviously it's an important three points because we have two really big games before the break with Athlone and Rovers coming up. So um, just gives us a bit of confidence going into those couple of games that we are still there, thereabouts and we're Taking it along nicely. Would you call yourselves the Chelsea of the season so far? Because a lot of your results have been not necessarily like absolutely whopping wins. You know, there's been a few one or two nils I've just seen you through nicely. I'd be more than happy to beat the Chelsea this season, <laughs> to be fair. Um, yeah, that's why I was kind of, it. it's hard to kind of predict what way our matches will go because there have been games that we've been scraping um, and then there's been games where we've played well and not put the put the score lines up that we should have. So, um, yeah, it, like I said, we'll take being Chelsea. Women, obviously, not men. <laughs> of course, no. You don't want to be them. Although Pochettino's just in, so you never know he might do a job with them next year if he's able to cull some of that team. If he's allowed to, yeah. If he's allowed to, that is also true. Emma, how was your weekend? Um, Yeah, very, very nice. The weather is very temperamental. It's like tropical weather here, honestly. It's absolutely scorching one minute and then thunderstorms the next. So don't really know what to do uh, with ourselves, but uh, all good. Went for a nice Brazilian dinner yesterday. I'm glad you so said dinner. I didn't know where you were going. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> no, summer is coming though. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it was nice not to eat pasta or pizza for a change. <laughs> I'm actually buzzing. I'm going back to Barcelona this week and I'm buzzing to get back. So yeah, very excited. I don't know if the words it's nice not to eat pizza and pasta for a bit has ever been uttered before, but yeah, that would never leave my <laughs> No, seriously, you get really sick of it. I'm sick of it. Sick of pasta. I'm not doing enough either to to warrant eating these carbs. Like it's not good. Not but good. I did see your tweet that you put up just before we started recording that if you um ran as much as you kissed your dogs you'd be running marathons all over the place yeah it's true <laughs> if I even 
did 50% of the amount I say I'm going to do or think about doing because I'm constantly thinking about exercise. I just never do it. <laughs> so yeah, I need to change. A little. It's the weather. Blame the weather. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm blaming the weather for sure. sure. The WSL is over now as well. So that frees up a bit of the week. Although we still have Champions League next weekend and then the World Cup is fast approaching. So There'll there's... always be something. <laughs> always an excuse. I mean, the dogs don't even want to go out anymore. They've got lazy. It's just rubbing off on them. It's terrible influence. <laughs> yeah, speaking of the World Cup, I've just spotted today's date and this will be going out on Tuesday, but we're recording on Monday. And it's exactly one month until the announcement of the World Cup squad, which is very exciting and also very terrifying uh, for everyone involved. More so the players than me, but I just get like a leap in my heart every time I think about the prospect of like, oh, we actually have to go and play a World Cup now. The season isn't over. Um, how are you guys feeling a month out? Do you think anyone has particularly staked a claim maybe in the last couple of weeks or even we had the news during the week that Aoife Mannion uh, has kind of re-injured her knee. No structural damage, so she should be all right for the World Cup, but no confirmation there one way or the other. Well, I think that the fact that it's only Aoife we're talking about and hopefully she'll be all right is great. That was, for me, the first thing, uh, especially in the, the last game, all I kept thinking of, no injuries, please, no injuries, and there weren't, which is fantastic. And also the girls who were injured for long periods of time have all come back. So Vera Pau is actually in a great position. She doesn't have to worry about anybody, um, but also a difficult position because she's going to have to make some difficult choices. So I think, firstly, it's great everybody's fit, um, most are playing, not everybody. Um, so it's looking good so far, but I think it's going to be really interesting. I mean, there's a few rumors here and there, and I'm not, I'm just looking forward to see who gets in really and who doesn't more than anything. Yeah, I think, I think the, tough, the tough choices have been made. So when we see the provisional squad that goes in, I think it's around the 12th that they're going into camp. Yeah, that's the 12th, I think. So we'll. We'll get all of our shocks and surprises then. Yeah, I think that's a 28-player squad, is it? And then... 27, I think. 20, yeah, 27. Which Plus is like... There's four American girls playing in America to come back into yeah. the next as well. So really it's a 34, I guess, or 30... That's bad maths, 33. <laughs> <laughs> 31. <laughs> 31. It's one day. Um, with age. <laughs> Yeah, I was thinking about that for a sec. Not your maths, but I was like, oh, that would just leave like one person who wouldn't be. I know it's 23 in the squad, but obviously three players are going over to Australia anyways as stand-in players. Um, you wouldn't want to be the one person, but I forgot about the Americans that are still to come in. Well, we will be providing you guys, all the listeners, with all the updates in the lead up to the World Cup. And um, there's so much happening. There's the FAI's international awards. There's going to be a ceremony going away for all the players. There's, of course, the games against Zambia and France and anything that may happen news-wise in between. So don't worry. Despite the fact the season has ended in the WSL, the podcast is sticking around and there will be plenty of action during the World Cup as well. So please do keep listening, keep getting your questions into us and keep joining in and all the chat because... Uh, it's a lot more fun when we have you guys sending in questions and stuff to us as well. 
The Cool Gig Podcast on O2B Sports is sponsored by Cabri FC, official snack partner to the Republic of Ireland women's national team. Now, coming up next, instead of our usual team of the week, we have Emma Carroll and her team of the season. So Emma, luckily you didn't have to do a full team of the week this year or this week because there was like every single game kicking off at the same time and it was pretty chaotic. You were sending me photos of your setup, which I thought was quite impressive. I thought I was doing well because I had one game on the TV, one on my phone and then Twitter open for the rest of them. (laughs) You were live tweeting, so I thought that was probably more impressive because I was struggling to keep up with it. There was a lot of refreshing being done on like live score and stuff and then like someone would score and then trying to like rewind to see the video or see the goal properly so I could actually put something out about it. Um, but you've done us up at Team of the Season, which has some interesting omissions, I have to say, whenever you sent it through. But I'll let you run through it first and then we can dive into it a bit more. Yeah, we've got Erbson Goal, McCabe, Greenwood, Letizia and Badier at the back. Galton, Manham and Wrighton in a very attacking midfield and Shaw Daly. And I've went for Sam Kerr. Um, up front yeah I was looking around at a couple of teams and I feel like defense anyways is pretty sesh but then there's just like one or two other ones that maybe would change I know one area in particular you wanted to talk about was Kerr and the fact that Beth England did not make it into your squad despite hauling Tottenham through the season yeah so I remember on Friday morning we had a brief conversation after Sam Kerr was given the Football Writers Award or whatever it was at the um, first ever Women's Football Awards and I was like not even in my team of the season how did she get player of the year <laughs> and then uh, she scores on Saturday and then I'm kind of thinking hmm. she scored in all of the big moments and I'm trying to think whether is bringing your team to a title or saving your team from relegation more important and they're probably on a par and Bet England probably her goals probably single-handedly saved Spurs in fairness but then I'm thinking Sam Kerr plays for Australia and she's in their group in the World Cup and I'm going to assume that she's going to consume every ounce of Irish media in the run-up and you know she's going to pin this team of the season to the to the dressing room wall and I don't want to give any more ammunition to Sam yeah. Kerr because she's already good enough as it is so um, yeah I went and put her in my team <laughs> Emma, you're doing your patriotic duty there that I, many people wouldn't even think of. <laughs> Maybe I, I overthink think, it. Yeah, I think you thought about that yeah. a bit too much. Yeah. <laughs> I've been back and forth all weekend and that England was probably edging it until I kind of was like, oh, yeah, no, I don't want this to come back and bite me and Sam here. Kyra, like, score a hat-trick against us on the opening day of the World Cup. <laughs> <laughs> Emma, you look like you have many thoughts about this. <laughs> that that that's uh, it. Took me a, a minute there to actually understand what you were saying. <laughs> Where so am basically, I going with this? basically, she's in your team because you're afraid she of would karma. want to, yeah, like murder you. <laughs> I know, just and take murder it out. Ireland on the Open Day World Cup. Really, <laughs> take yeah. it out on our girls. Um, okay, uh, I get it. 
<laughs> but to be fair, I think she deserves to be in there. I mean, she's classic. she might not have lit the the league on fire this season, but she she is a magic reason why Chelsea have won the league, and I think that's more important. And to be quite honest, I don't think Tottenham would have really gone down. I think they had the the, the players in there. It just so happens that when you've got a player like Bethany England in your team, um, you do tend to rely on her a little bit. But I think they would have found their goals. Uh, which makes me wonder how Bethany England would have done in a better team. Would she be in the England squad right now? I'm not sure. She's a great player. Um, and I also think she's going to be absolutely devastated if she's not in that team, which I don't blame her. But Sam Kerr would have been in my team of the year anyway, because you can rely on her. She's She is one of the best strikers. She doesn't always get the, the service, but when she does get it, she's absolutely quality. So, yeah. Not because I'm afraid she'll murder me. I would go that far. You're not afraid of anyone, so. (laughs) Oh, I am. (laughs) Not going to mention any names. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah. You were giving this team a few applauses earlier. What are your thoughts? I think it's a very good team. Um, It's obviously very good. It's all the United representation, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's a very (laughs) Italian thing. There's plenty of United representation. if you were trying to sneak someone else in, I actually would have maybe given up an, a United player um, to get Kenza Daly into it somehow, possibly, just because the Daily Daly link up yeah. was magic, to be fair. Um, but it's it's really hard to argue against anyone else. I would, yeah, I, I don't have any qualms about this, to be fair. I might have, but yeah, I think Galton for me would be a question mark. Has Mm. she been consistent every single game? I'm not sure. She's had a great season, but I'm not sure she would have stood out as much as, for example, Dali, who I absolutely love. I thought she's been brilliant for Villa. Um, Hanson was really good as well. Mm. The who? Hanson. For Villa as well was She's been, been really good all season as well. So Hanson has been excellent the second part of the season, and Dali's been excellent the first part. Mm-hmm. So they've kind of like just seemed in general the two of them have been brilliant. Um, Greenwood. Uh, she's been the start of the season. She was brilliant. I was proper br- bigging her up, like absolutely brilliant. Then I have a feeling she got some niggles or something because she kind of dropped off a little bit. Um, so for me, I'm not so sure. But then trying to find a centre back that actually stood out. That's it. I'm trying to think of someone else and I can't. Yeah, I was actually going through my the rest of the teams of the week, kind of trying to figure out who stood out and... Greenwood was probably in the most and then maybe Bright was in a fair few as well and Ericsson was in a fair few so it was kind of a toss up between the three of those but I think Greenwood probably had a little bit of a longer stretch of consistency um, so she just kind of edged it and it was that's just pure opinion rather than like any stats yeah. or anything <laughs> yeah I mean Leah Williamson was brilliant until she yeah. got injured it seems a little bit bad that we don't include her just because yeah. she got injured but also a team who hasn't been in team of uh, a player who hasn't been in team of the who, who I thought was brilliant and I said it before was Turner for Villa. I thought I thought she was really good, the captain for Aston Villa. Um, but again, nothing wrong with that team. Absolutely nothing. If you're talking about the winning and losing upper uh, ends of the table, um, 
Leipzig for Leicester was huge for them. Yeah. Staying up. yeah. Absolutely yeah. huge. Um, and I'm delighted she got them those kind of points because I felt like they did deserve to stay up. Um, and I know they're going to probably try and sign her, but I'd say they'd be doing well. I think that she's on a lot of people's radar now. It Bayern will be also, we just want her back. It will also, I think United are linked to her as well um, as a backup, but it will be interesting to see what happens with Leicester after the men's team being relegated as well. Uh, well, she like, doesn't need to be a backup. How much of a backing the women, like the women's mm. teams, usually start losing out when yeah, the it, it is suffer. So it'll be interesting to see what happens to them. Yeah, it's yeah. I know like they haven't necessarily done it in terms of like the money they've put into the team, but even their like lower setups, they've put quite a bit into it and like actually developing systems within the club. So it'll be interesting specifically you see with those as well because like I think what they did really well was they bought well bought and loaned very cleverly yeah. over January and that's probably what saw them through and I mean if there's a manager there that's going to be able to handle it well it probably would be Willie Kirk um there was only one other person I had a shout for which I thought was Erin Cuthbert because I thought she was one of the most consistent players throughout the entire season um even if you do look at her stats across like Chelsea, she was like one of their top three performers across the entire season and also one of the most consistent performers just because she obviously wasn't getting as many niggles as everyone else. So she was a name I'd like to throw in yeah. there. Yeah. No yeah. <laughs> Hard to find space for another midfielder, but I really enjoyed watching Hasegawa yeah. um, for City as well, I think. She showed she showed some weakness towards the end as well, though. Yeah, like her strength. We talked about her physical strength maybe mm. being her only weakness, and I think that showed. Like, if I were to play City, I'd definitely be putting pressure on her after mm. watching her last few games. Yeah. I also give a shout out as well to Frida Manum, who looks like she's send, signing a contract extension with Arsenal, which will make Arsenal yes. fans quite happy, I think. Um, second top scorer in all competitions, top scorer for them, WSL. Started 29 of Arsenal's last 30 games. So even just from that alone, like when the team needed her to step up, she really did. Actually, she's, you just yeah. mentioning Arsenal there, I would have probably put Raffaele in there. I thought she was brilliant this season and I think she's a huge loss mm. for Arsenal. Massive. So maybe she would have got in there as the left centre-back. I think you can tell her influence by just kind of the outpouring of emotion about her leaving, even though she was only there for such a short stint. It's like obvious that she made a massive impact and was quality when they needed her. It's just a pity about the injuries and her and Williamson not being able to form the partnership as long as they would have liked but yeah she obviously wants to move on to sunnier climates it's going to be interesting to see who um, to see who Arsenal sign in because they've got two centre-backs to replace basically because Williamson's probably going to miss most of next season so not easy it's actually easier to find attacking players there aren't a huge amount of really really good defenders out there um so that is going to be difficult they might have to go abroad for that mm. yeah or they could recall some players that they have released in the past released with bad decisions i think so Such let's... As. well i think um 
Well, Ruby Mays, for example, I think that was a, I think she's a great little player and she can play centre back. She can play holding midfielder. She did for Leicester. I think she's a great player. Definitely wouldn't have let her go. Um, and well, they had really, they had, they wanted to release Katie at one stage. So, you know, these decisions, I don't know who's making these decisions, but I'm not sure about their recruitment. And I said it, I tweeted it. It's all about who they recruit over the summer because Arsenal, you know, they're, they're in a position where they can go on to be the top team in Europe. I can see that. Or they can go on to be a mid-table team. And it all depends on their signings this summer. I think it's that important. Mm. Yeah, I think a lot of people would feel that way about Arsenal. And we will get into it a little bit more as well when we are looking at how all the teams have done in general. But did want to briefly touch on Emma's uh, 11 to watch, which she gave us at the very start of the season. Kind of 50-50. Some of them have featured here in your like team of the season and then other ones met a, a, an unfortunate early end of their season due to injuries and stuff. So uh, Brosnan, Daly... In, in the back line, of course, because that's where she played when we were at the start of the season. She wasn't a forward. Many people who would just watch the WSL size. Buchanan, Letizia, Jess Zoo, Hertig, Little, Missy Bocairns, Mary Fowler, Leanne Kiernan and Sam Kerr. Yeah, I think I jinxed half of them. They've mm. all kind of had long-suffering injuries as well, by the sounds of it. I was going to say, Evan, would you like to make a formal apology? I know, poor Jessu and like, Anne Leanne Kiernan. Gee, <laughs> I, think. I hope I didn't cause those injuries. Um, <laughs> I like the way yeah. you're like on this thing today that you have this mystical... <laughs> yeah, so much power. Like, um, <laughs> no, um, like I was looking there, it's like, so three of those players are in the team of the season that's not bad I think we did caveat daily when we were saying it if we went yeah. back and actually listened that she would be a forward and not a left back um, that was just after the Euros um, Kim Little I actually even half considered it I was like she had such a good season when she was yeah, playing yeah, it's like yeah. she could make it in there Missy Bo Kearns has actually had a decent season for Liverpool as well um, and then yet the rest got like injuries all around, really. Um, apart from Fowler, who just didn't get that much game time at City for some reason. I would have liked to see a little bit more of her. Yeah, because when she did play, she she's a quality player. She looks really good. She's class on the ball. Really good touches. Um, it's just one of those mysteries of Man City. One of the mysteries of Man City. Many mysteries. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> I mean, she, she does... She, She's conceded that she's young and that she's there for experience, which is very modest of her. I think, you know, it's very humble, but she's good enough to play in any team. So maybe oh. she'll be pushing for a position, a starting position next season. Hopefully we don't see too much of it at the World Cup <laughs> um, and she saves it for next season. I don't, she can say it for then. I'd like to see her do very well. I just don't want her to do it at the World Cup against us. Emma, thank you so much for all the teams of the week this season uh, I am sure we will get you on board for some Champions League World Cup action over the next couple of weeks but um, having done one or two teams of the week myself I know how much effort and work goes into them so very much appreciated that you take that baton on every week no problem So 
So sadly, we have come to the end of the WSL for another season and Chelsea have, I mean, as expected by pretty much everyone in the run-up, have become champions for the fourth time in a row. Much of the team have said since that they won at the weekend that this league title means more than any of the ones that have come before. And you can kind of see it with, you know, the season they've had between MA, the surgery, the players in the team who have been injured, losing key players at the end of the season like Magda Eriksson and Pernilla Harder. There definitely was an emotion to the end of this season that maybe there hasn't been in previous years. Uh, in the end, they ran out very, very easy winners against Reading, which ultimately saw them relegated to the championship and to be seen what happens with them, especially with the situation at the men's team. But Emma, Chelsea, winners... How did you feel when the final whistle blew across all of those fixtures starting at the exact same time and it was official that Emma Hayes and co had done it once again? Yeah, I mean, I think it's been an absolutely brilliant season. I've really enjoyed it. And I think all of those games basically summed up the, the season for those uh, respective teams. You had Chelsea who, you know, they 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 basically hammered Reading. They deserved it. They were scrappy, but they managed to get their wins and and they won. It was a bit of a a dirty win of the season for them. Uh, There was nothing fantastic about Chelsea this season, but it's they just knew how to get the wins and that was it. So actually, I quite like I don't mind seeing a team like that because I quite like a fighting team Uh, for Reading kind of sum their season up. They've been very poor, just little things, little mistakes, just basic stuff that they were doing wrong. But there's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes with them. Uh, very demotivating, which I think you could see on the pitch. And then with Arsenal losing 2-0 to Villa, I think that that basically summed them up as well. They, they just didn't have any players that could come off the bench that could change anything. The midfield was lacking a lot. Um and they just weren't able to keep up with Villa, who were excellent. And for me, excellent all season. A team that I, if if all the teams were playing, I would watch Villa over any other team. Just because I think they're exciting, they're honest, they're an attacking team. And um, yeah, I think the fact that, um, you know, they have a player, the Pichichi, I was going to say, it's, you know, the Spanish goal scorer of, of the league. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she's been brilliant. <laughs> um, and it just shows she's had good service. Hansen's been brilliant as well. Dali, they've had players that I've really enjoyed watching. So I just think it's been a really good end to it as well because the kind of every game had its own little story. That's been the whole story of, of the league. Um, and I think Chelsea did deserve it. I think City were very classy in their performances towards the end of the season, but it's a lesson for them. You can't start like that and expect. You might have been able to do that 10 years ago. You can't do it now. You just can't get away with losing and drawing games at the start of the season like that. So I think next season is going to be even more interesting, to be honest, because I think there were, there were a few lessons learned mm-hmm. um, and you just can't afford to have a squad also that's a little bit depleted. You need a good squad. And I think we're going to see a lot of movement towards the the latter end of the summer. 
Well, even already, like I don't think the transfer window opens for like another couple of weeks, and there's been so much talk about players moving or going for you know medicals. I think one of the latest ones this week is like Haley Rasso at United is going to a medical with Real Madrid this week, and there's just every couple of hours there's transfer stuff already happening, and I definitely think that's a increase on previous years. I think it also says a lot that like. Chelsea to win this title had to record the most ever wins in a WSL WSL season and also the most points across an entire campaign. And that's with United chomping at their heels and like ahead of them for a lot of the season. So it just shows of the competitiveness in general of the league this year. And I know it's something we've said throughout it. Um, Karen, from a United point of view, it was probably pretty... I mean, once the goals started going in at Chelsea, there wasn't really all that much left to do, but I suppose ending things on a high. Yeah, I mean, it kind of felt inevitable that Chelsea were going to lift the title. You said that uh, there was an air of emotion to it. I feel like Chelsea are just so robotic in how they win things that it's just like, they're like Man City now. They're just like, they're used to it. So they're they're natural born winners. Um, But I think at the start of the season, if you said to United, they'd be a couple of points off Chelsea. Um, and comfortably in the Champions League places, like that's that's an improvement, that's progress. So I don't think they can be overly disappointed. Um, they finally beat teams that they'd struggled to beat before Arsenal, City, and like that's they were the positions that they were gunning for, um, and they achieved that. So if you take a step back, um, it's a, it's a really really good season for Man United, and and nice to end it on a wing, not not their most convincing I suppose but again away to home away to Liverpool Liverpool had had a good week previous to that Um, so yeah we'll take it we'll take it How much do you think the fact that United had a pretty stable squad and like I think they made one of the least amount of changes to their starting 11 compared to like any other team Chelsea interestingly made the most they made 80 changes to their starting 11 over the season which was 30 more than any other team because but, they, uh, have to, they have the squad yeah to- well that's so- the thing they have the squad and they're involved in the most competitions like they have to do that sort of rotation but if say it's something it's an issue we've talked about with City at different times where it was hard to tell for a long time how a where Gareth player would play players. And most of the time it was out of position and B who he would actually just randomly choose to put on. And then with Arsenal, obviously the issue was injuries. So how much do you think that probably helped United in a season like this where things were a bit topsy turvy? Well, I think it's always the defensive unit that has to stay consistent and stable and they've been able to do that. And obviously they've, Brought in Letizia, who has been really, really good for them. Um, kind of stabilised the central partnership there, and Ona Bajia, obviously one of the best players in the league this season. So I think that that was hugely important for them. Obviously, Mary Earps was in really good form as well, Golden Glove. Um, but now I'm just a little bit worried about when Ona leaves. How can you replace a player like that? Like how much she offers to the team but now that they have Champions League I assume that they'll get the investment that they need to kind of build a squad to compete at that level because that's what they will need to do um, they can't depend on the same 11 players the whole time just Garcia maybe coming off the bench to to pop up with a goal here and there she's another player who'll probably be looking for a lot more game time next season and probably deserves it um, so they, they really do need to 
to strengthen their squad. Um, I think they need another probably centre defender. Now they need a fullback. I think potentially another for central defenders this summer is going to be yeah tough. it's going to be intense it's going to be intense um but look they they know what they have to do it's just about whether they're given the investment and whether players now see man united as one of the big teams and as an attractive like they'll have to get players i think from abroad so do they now see that as as an attractive option to them potentially over man city now which would be huge because man city were the big big name like before that yeah, they're definitely the biggest team in Manchester at the moment, anyways. And how long that continues they're remains. Big spenders. I mean, if- that's the that's the big thing. They're city are big spenders. They pay a lot of money. Mm. Um, I don't think that they've made great decisions with that money, but they pay a lot of money. And at the end of the day, this is where women's football has gone. It's about who can pay the most. And I wouldn't say United's budget was that great, but it has to be bigger because of Champions League football. That's a big draw, but it doesn't really matter. Great, you're in Champions League, but you're going to pay me 30,000 less than a team that's not in Champions League. Players are going to go to that team for the extra money. So they need to be able to pay it. Yeah, and we talked about what's going on behind the scenes at Reading and also Leicester men's team getting relegated. The ownership of Man United is obviously up in to question at the moment so they need to get that sorted as well that will obviously feed into it it's unfortunate that you still do have to depend on these things but that's the reality of it yeah yeah there's actually been very little talk in general about there's a lot about how it'll affect things on the men's side but not all that much about on the women's side it'd be interesting to see uh, Emma you had tweeted and we mentioned it earlier about the fact that Arsenal will need to do well this summer in the transfer market especially with those injuries that they had we asked a couple of listeners as well do they have any thoughts on who they might like the club to sign so at Rose underscore AWSE said for now Sari Holland Chloe Lacasse and Hannah Benison plus some defenders and a forward. So she just wants a whole new team, basically, which is understandable with the injuries. And then at Yes Shahada, Carly Grant from Australia, Jessica Silva from Portugal, who's a very good player, Julia Grosso from Canada, also very good. Pro contract for the Academy players, extension contracts from Manum, McKay, Blackstenius, Viv and and Viv the Gauche. I thought it said and Viv and the Gauche, and I was like, who's the other one? Uh, and more psychologists, more physio, expand SNC team, and also more beautiful kits. So not asking for too much there. For you, what are the dream signings this summer? Well, I think the dream thing is for the injured players to get back. You can't get any better than Vivian Miedema. She's quality. If you can get her back, um and Bet Mead, uh, but for me, Viv more and Kim Little. If you can get those three players back, you've got three of the some of the best players in the world. Anyway, three of some of the best. Um, I personally think that you know they could do with um a top 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 class goalkeeper. I think um Manu's done really well. I think she's a very good goalkeeper, but I would. Love to see a top, top goalkeeper go in there. And, you know, there's a couple of, you know, contracts ending, including Sandra Panos at Barcelona. Um, well, she has another year, but I reckon Arsenal could get her if they wanted to, because it's all about distribution for the goalkeepers now. Also shot stop, and you've got all of that. Panos is excellent at that. 
Um, but she's also one of the best with the ball at her feet. And I think she would be a massive, massive signing. Um, but apart from that, getting the injuries back, um, I would definitely invest in a holding midfield. I don't know if Odegaard or Odegaard, Odegaard can turn into a female. Hoverdor <laughs> <laughs> from Wolfsburg. I just love her. I think she's brilliant. Yeah. Um, is the parcel turn around with like Panos and Oberdorf as their like two gets for the summer? I'd say people would be very, very happy. <laughs> <laughs> but I also think you can tempt American players. America, the Americans have moments where they want to play in Europe and then they all flurry over. I think you could tempt some American players. I think they're they're very, very good. I don't think they're the best in the world, but I think you could definitely tempt a couple of those over. They just bring energy to the team. Um, well, if you're going to do it like the season after a World Cup is probably the best in the sense that they're not going straight into that whole cycle mentality. Exactly. Of the they're going to have time. Up. You need to be in the US so that we can see. You. I know like Andonovsky hasn't been as strict on that as like previous managers. Um, but yeah, there still is that slight sort of thing of like, oh, I need to be playing in the US if I'm going to be on the US national squad. Yeah. Yeah. And do you know, like it's, it's, it's about looking around. La Liga F has got some really good players in there as well. Um, you know, in, in Atletico Madrid, particularly who just won the cup. I think Benini's very good for plays for Argentina. I think they just need to to scope everywhere. You know, and as much as I love Japanese players, I also think we need a lot of physicality in there as well. Um, and Alessia Russo is going to be a great addition because she's definitely going. Sorry, Karen, she's leaving you. She's definitely going to Arsenal. I think she's going to be a great addition, not an amazing. She's not going to change everything for Arsenal, but I think she's going to be very, very good. So, yeah, I, th- I mean, it looks okay, but I would just love Arsenal to put money on the table for a massive sign-in because that mentally just, you know, it gives the whole team a boost and it just kind of sets the standards a little bit. Um, and we haven't done that in a few years. No, Miramel is probably the last kind of big name signing the team took on. A couple of like very good players in there <clears throat> who are well respected, but not that sort of like global superstardom name. Um, I mean, you could go for a Bon Matty or a Guijaro <laughs> if, you, if you really wanted to blow people's minds. Yeah. Get into Barca and get one of those Patrick Guijaro and or Aitana Bon Matty. It's not yeah, impossible. You're just getting your hopes up now. <laughs> not impossible. Especially with Mikel Arteta, if they have that link with the Spanish, if you get a call from Arteta asking, would you be interested in coming to the club? You're going to say yes either way. And that's the first battle. Yeah. <laughs> well, Arsenal are always talking about this one club vibe. Like the women were out the game at the weekend for the men and had like a big guard of honour and everything for them. So, you know... <laughs> Arteta, get on that phone Listen, and get the men, Men's manager has been known that they've contacted some players, female players, to try and coax them into coming. I didn't get a phone call from, from Arsene <laughs> Wenger. <laughs> Arsene Wenger, if you're listening to this, Emma's still waiting by the phone. <laughs> um, And then just to look at the bottom of the table as well, because you kind of have to give Leicester just some credit for how they turned their season around. We've mentioned it in bits and pieces throughout the podcast already, but no points whatsoever mid-January. 
Um, I was reading Tom Gary had a good piece in the Telegraph about how when Willie Kirk came in, what he actually did to kind of turn around the deficit. Um, first WSL team to ever turn around a seven point deficit, stay up. And about the fact that, you know, he sat down with the club and they set a points target internally that they thought would ensure their safety um, based on historical data and projections from other seasons and stuff. They actually missed that target, but still stayed up. And Kirk said it was one of his biggest achievements to date, which is understandable when you consider how dire and how certain. There's definitely a montage in us every single week being like, yeah, Leicester definitely going down. Yeah. <laughs> well, they were. And they didn't look like they'd any fight in them. Like, I just couldn't see where they were going to get that turnaround from. Because, again, it's a look at the silly mistakes and the, the, the basic things that they weren't doing. And I'm thinking, well, if they're not going to change that, they're not they're not going to get another point for the rest of the season. And it just so happened that Reading inherited those mistakes and 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 Leicester just went from strength to strength and it's like what Karen said Leipzig for them was the most important player ever for any team in the WSL she's been the most important for Leicester and then you you had players like Ruby Mace who was very good for them um I think you know Whelan was very good for them she she's always been a good player I've always rated her but just Hard to drag a team by yourself. But when mm. you get a collective amount of players working in that way and the manager that instills that confidence, as Willie Kirk did, amazing things can happen. And mentally, it's like as if you leave that old uh, mentality or bad look and you rub off on someone else and that's what happened. So when they started playing better, I just feel like it was that turnaround moment when they started improving and Reading started, you know, getting worse. Um, and that's probably because of Leicester and how they were doing. And that happens because when you're in that relegation, I mean, I've never been in a relegation battle, but I imagine that that's what it's all. It's a lot of mental fights going on down there. Yeah, yeah. they would have been like when the likes of Spurs and Brighton and Reading started slipping up, they probably were like, oh. There's actually a lot of hope here. And I think Willie Kirk deserves a lot of credit because I think a lot of the managers in and around them were getting fired or getting slated. And we see Koncheski's gone from West Ham today. You know, like there's there's a big turnover there of management, but he came in and he got them playing a nice style of football, got them believing in themselves. So I think he deserves a lot of credit. And it'd be interesting to see with the full season ahead of him how he'll get on with them. I think again it's going to be about investment but um, full transfer window as well the thing is Bristol coming up as well they are not going to have a big budget really realistically so they Leicester will probably be involved in the relegation battle again next year but Bristol really have an, an uphill battle too yeah definitely I think it's mad like Leipzig produced more saves than any other goalkeeper in the entire league despite only joining them in January so it just shows that actually the pressure as well that that defence was under and the fact that they were able to get a name like her in and create those sort of saves um, looking just across the league in general obviously there's a lot of Irish players out of contract now um, Rusha Liljohn for one saying that she'd stopped playing the last couple of weeks because she wanted to save herself for the World Cup vaguely sounds like she may just be holding out for the World Cup and then seeing what happens afterwards sounds a bit like maybe a retirement so you never know could be something else uh, Megan Campbell 
Megan Connolly, Megan Walsh also all out of contract and leaving their respective clubs. Be interesting to see where they'd land up. I mean, you out of the three, Megan Connolly is probably the most likely to stay in the WSL, I would think. Yeah, I mean, um, with, with Rusha, it's 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 a strange one. She must have some really niggly injuries that you know, whether it's severe tendonitis or something. Well, she has been so unlucky, like with last... injuries. But you can't stop playing because you're unlucky. It has to be something that is basically you're being advised to rest it, or else you won't be able to to perform. Um, and. I don't blame her. Like it's a massive thing. And if she thinks she's very likely going to be picked in the squad. Um, I don't blame her because being injured at this point and it, she, she does get injured. Unfortunately, she's really unlucky, as you said. Um, but I think Megan Walsh, it, this is a surprise for me because she's started for Brighton. She's done well for Brighton. Like she hasn't been a player that I would have said, you know, she's struggling. She didn't struggle. She looked okay there. I think she will stay in the WSL. Maybe Bright, uh, Bristol team coming up. Who knows? Um, but yeah, it's it's difficult because I think as much as the WSL has improved a lot, I think it's going to even change even more over the summer. I know that clubs are holding off and signing players, number one, because they need to get new managers in, some of them. And, and number two is... Um, they're just, you know, they're waiting on budgets and stuff like that. But I think there's going to be an influx of foreign players. And that's not great for, for our, even though we are foreign, uh, it's not great for our Irish players. Because well, it's what happened in the men's game. We saw it like in the early 90s, we had a lot more players playing and our international yeah. was, was stronger as a result. And now that they're in the lower leagues and it, it probably will go that way. Yeah, this yeah. year was like the least amount of Irish players playing in the Premier League ever, I think. Yeah, yeah, so it's probably important to start way. looking. Probably start important to start looking at even professionalizing our league in Ireland a little bit more than we might anticipate because we might need we might have more players needing to stay here because it might be the same level as your lower leagues international or in Europe. Be interesting, but Megan Connolly is one um who I'm most interested. Interested to see where she goes. I said Megan Walsh. I meant Megan Connolly. I meant, yeah. That's who I was talking about. Megan Connolly for Brighton. Yeah. I was yeah. listening to you talk and I was like, she was in and out of the squad. She wasn't very <laughs> sure you were. No, no, I Walsh meant Megan Connolly, the midfielder for Brighton. <laughs> yeah, <I'm> really. <laughs> Too many Megans. <laughs> that's the thing. It's like literally the Spider Man meme about all three of them. Leave mm. him. Yeah, no, I, I would think she would stay up somewhere. I think like as well because Brighton haven't been all that good this season, she's possibly been overlooked a little bit for how much she did actually contribute to that team. Um, Because I know everyone was a bit chaotic, but she was probably one of the more solid players, I think, anyways, in the squad. Yeah. So it'll be interesting. We will keep an eye on it over the next couple of weeks. Um, Although you never know, with the World Cup year, it's always a bit strange as well because sometimes players don't want to announce these sort of things until afterwards because it's all laser focused. Get it done, would you not? I think. But you know that like, they I might. Think, I think there should be a really huge investment for from an Irish company into a club and make it an Irish club in the WFL and get all the Irish players. We nearly had that at Birmingham. (laughs) (laughs) 
I was trying to get that done when I was playing. I was like, let's all go to the same club because you know what? It's us. You can put Irish players randomly in teams and they're good. But when they are together, it's different. It's like they just fight for each other. I guarantee you we do all right. There you have it. If there's any still owners, if you're listening. (laughs) (laughs) Come and get us, please. (laughs) We're putting ourselves out there. Um, Well, with that, we shall wrap uh, this season, well, this WSL season anyways. Obviously, the Champions League final is this weekend and we will be looking back on that. But um, Emma and Karen, thank you very much for going on the journey of this season. It was a pleasure. And I mean, it's not even that far away until the new season starts again. But until then, we will keep an eye across all the top news. Like I said at the start of the podcast, if you have any questions or if you just want to engage with the podcast a little bit, we have our new Twitter account at the Koi Geek Pod, where we'll be posting all the updates about Irish stars, about just general WSL, World Cup bits, anything you need to know, you'll be able to find there. Thank you very much for listening. And we shall see you all again very, very soon. The Koi Gig Pod on OTB Sports in association with Cadbury. A player and a half deserves a glass and a half of support.